the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How do you see your children? Do you see them as missiles for the Lord? Let me use a biblical vernacular. You've got a lot of children. Your quiver is full of arrows. Are you whittling straight arrows? Let's talk about that next on Way of Grace. Sadly, we look at our children these days and they're nothing more than something we've assigned to culture to train and raise. Oh, we'll give an obligatory nod to the church and let them do Sunday school for about an hour a week. But other than that, there's not much training that goes into our kids. And therein lies the challenge for us today from the life of Samson. As we begin our time together here today on Way of Grace, Pastor Jessica Stand will remind us that Samson's mother and father knew full well where he was coming from and to what end. And for that reason alone, they trained their son and had him ready for the ministry that God had called him to when he was born. For more, let's catch up with Pastor Jessica Stand on today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all your people that you should take a wife of the what? Uncircumcised Philistines. Lift that up for a moment. Let's deconstruct it. What a great example of a mother and a father who wants their son to marry a godly woman. So here's the thing I want you to know about mom and daddy. They've got the preceptive will of God down. They are clear that the children of Israel were to marry within their own people group and as believers are to marry believers and not be unequally yoked. The parents are not, if you will, um, shy about letting their children understand the boundaries that God sets up. This is where last week I shared with you that a lot of parents idolatrize their children. Where their children have more authority over the parents than God does. Are y'all hearing me? Right. And so what will happen is children will drag anything in the house. And then mom and daddy having a fit and have to choose between the anything and their kids pleasure and losing their kids approval. Now, who's in control at that time? The children are. Am I making some sense? And and this is the burden of every parent. None of us want our daughter to bring a a, a tomcat home. No, don't do it. And even with our boys, we want to make sure that our boys are not dealing with a troubled sister. That he can't rein in. Because what we know about that is, it's better to dwell in the corner of a rooftop. Is that true? 
So what we want for our kids is for him to make some sense when he makes his choices. And the sister that he's making a choice for can actually help him. Does that help? All right, let me share something with you then that is absolutely noble about Samson. Samson didn't just run down to Timnath and sow wild oats, jump on some sister and have some sex and then brung, brung her back home and said, Mom and Daddy, this is my wife. He didn't do that. He still had enough decorum to go to his parents for approval for his wife. See, he had been taught well. Am I making some sense? That's not the generation we live in. The generation we live in, our kids can grow up under the Bible and sing all the hymns. And then the next thing you know, they didn't forgot everything God has said. You see what I'm getting at now? Y'all see what I'm getting at here? Don't throw Samson under the bus. It would be a false narrative. Samson is still being obedient to his parents, but the Holy Ghost is driving him in a direction. And this is profound because think about this. Samson is honoring his mother and his father, but there are are, uh, other what we would call circumstantial and contextual factors that go into it. And I'm not going to press into it too far, but no person is really designed to be married to any other person where it doesn't have the parents in the family as a major protocol and principle behind the marriage. But in the 21st century in which I live, where family is shredded, destroyed, everybody's just marrying whoever they want to without regard to what mom and daddy has to say. This is your postmodern, irrational, neo-Marxist culture of hating God and hating the family and hating order and hating godly patriarchy. That's where we are. And you and I have suffered from it. Part of us have collapsed up under it. We grew up under it where we didn't have the chain of commands, where we didn't have the hierarchy of God and a godly father and a godly mother helping restrain the kids to at least think it through. Am I making some sense? Of course I am. You guys hear me say it every week. Now, here's one. In spite of the parents understanding the preceptive will of God, what the parents didn't quite get was the secret will of God. See, in spite of them understanding what Torah said, they did not comprehend what God was up to. We could go deep into this. I could take you back to the angel, to the Lord Jesus, who had revealed to mama and daddy that the very boy that they're going to have, which was a miracle child, will be for the beginning of the destruction of God's enemy called the Philistines. And we could have read into that narrative how they trained that boy up to be the heat-seeking missile that he is. A heat-seeking missile, not for mama and daddy, but for God. Samson is still on course His trajectory is straight and clear, is it not? It's just that mama and daddy haven't been able to hold together the tension of God's secret will over against God's preceptive will, which means there are times, I'm just going to keep this short, times where we just have to let our kids do stupid and go, Lord, have mercy. 
Y'all better clap on that because it's true. It's true. It's true. See, if the only thing that existed was God's precept of will in the day that you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. We wouldn't have any hope. We wouldn't have any hope. But we have hope because we believe the secret will embedded in it is God's redemptive will. So the Bible says where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Am I making some sense? Because some of y'all let your kids do what they do because in the 21st century, you go to jail if you don't let them do what they do anyway. And then you go to drinking and taking barbiturates and having fits because the kids are going down a long path of darkness. And it's because you don't have any hope in the potential of God's permissive will being his redemptive will hidden in his secret will. I'm making some sense. Am I making some sense? All right. I want to tie this. I want to tie what I want to tie one more knot here. I want to tie one more knot because I, I, I thank God for some of you putting up with me telling you the truth because you will lie to yourself. You will act like this is not your story and you know it is. You know God lets you run. You know God lets you live like hell. You know God lets you choose the wrong man and choose the wrong woman. You know God allowed you to live like Samson, male and female. You know you did. Don't be talking to me like somehow that's them over there. That's you. You are Samson and you are the woman down in Timna. So how did you end up in a gospel church under the grace of God, loving the Lord Jesus Christ and walking in his grace? Because God is smart enough to know how to work with your sin. Right? He's smart enough to know how to work with your sin. Yeah. See, I told you, an honest person not going to hell. Haven't I been saying that forever? The gospel makes you an honest person because it gives you room. It gives you room to correct, to correct, to correct. See, now the Pharisees, they wouldn't go for this. Samson not saved. But neither is Jesus. For them, Jesus is the devil because he hung out with tax collectors and harlots. See, Samson points to Jesus. There's no way that Jesus could have been Messiah because he partied too much. (laughs) And yet Jesus is the ultimate Nazarite, more separated unto God than anybody on the planet. And his cousin, who was actually a Nazarite, John the Baptist, was as committed to God as Jesus was. See, and they call both of them crazy. I'm going to get back to my art style here for a moment because I'm trying to lay a foundation for you. They called John the Baptist crazy, didn't they? Because of the way that brother dressed. See, you can't judge a brother by his, his dress. I mean, you can. But it would be better to have a conversation with him. John the Baptist, I don't think he got invited to too many mama's homes. Right? Leather girdle, camel skin outfit way before the day. Many of us had camel, camel, camel skin jackets, didn't we remember? Leather girdle. And then he ate what we're getting ready to talk about. Locust and wild honey. That's because he was an artist. Do you understand that? 
because God gave him the gift of imagery. He had this kind of bizarre characteristic about him that broke out of your squares because everything ain't square. Have you noticed when you go outside and look at God's world, very little is square. Most of the square stuff we do, right? I do understand the benefit of squares. I'd rather have a straight line going home than have to do all this. But God does a lot of that, doesn't he? He does a lot of that. Because God is complex, sophisticated, and he's also beautiful. And sometimes the message is embedded in the beauty. Now, see, I could take you to uh, Genesis 34, where Dinah took off and went down to the Gentile country, trying to get her groove on by the dress code of the sisters in the hood. Y'all remember that? Do y'all remember that? Dinah took going on your own time, chapter 34, she takes off and goes on down there and says, well, how the Philistine sisters dressing? And she gets down there and a Shechemite boy takes her and rapes her and then wants her for marriage. Now, again, that's a 21st century narrative, isn't it? Y'all hearing me? What I'm doing is saving Samson from ad hominem attacks, which are not fair. He's simultaneously righteous and what? All right. And his sin is not showing up right here. It'll show up in chapter 15, verse 1. It's there. He goes down there and gets a harlot, sleeps with her. We'll talk about that when we get there. But that's all it says. And of course, you and I have never done that. We've never done that in our lives. Never once. Never once. We're not harlots. Or John's at all. We don't even look a woman upon a woman to lust after her in a heart. No, we don't. I want to be saved. Don't you want to be saved? I want to be saved. It's a complex thing, isn't it? It's a com- beautiful women are a complex thing, aren't they? They're a parable. Beautiful men are too. But their love for Samson indicates a remarkable sense of their remembering his upbringing and all that they had done in pouring into his life, how to love God, how to prioritize God, how to, how to, um, how to walk in that separation that a Nazarite child called for. This is the blessing. Please get this. I got to give you this. If you could raise your kids with the kind of discipline and the kind of tenacity of a Nazarite vow, here's what you get to know. When they get old enough to go on their own, you done done everything you possibly could to bring them close to God. That's all you have to do. And you know what that does? Listen, you know what that does? That mounts a defense in your soul when your children start acting like they don't know God. That allows you to say, Lord, you gave me grace to teach them well. They heard the truth. Now all I have hope for is that you come behind that word and change their life and bring them back. See, that's the soul being able to mount a defense against what appears to be a defection. So mom and daddy getting ready to go back home and they going to hang out and say, all right, let's see what God is up to now because they know God's in control. See what I'm getting at? 
Very important and very important for you and I to understand. Don't, they're struggling with the permissive will of God. They're struggling with the preceptive will of God. They got it. They understand it, but they don't know what's happening now, but that's all right. Mom and daddy don't know everything. Sometimes we just got, after we do all that we can do, we got to just wait on God. I believe he can work it out. Do you? I believe God can work it out. I believe he can. God saved me. He can save my kids. I believe he can work it out. In fact, after you have done all you can to Nazarite them and then they break out like they do. (laughs) Now you get a chance to rest in the promises of God. Train them up in the way that they should go. And when they get older, the truth won't depart from them. You can latch a hold to them and gradually start towing them back in. Y'all see what I'm getting at? Point number two, point number two. We might get to point number three, but point number two. We're getting ready now to enter into the twilight zone. And the twilight zone is into the deeper metaphysical, metaphorical language that really accompanies the character of Samson. And so it's not going to be that hard. Notice what the text says over in verse five. I want to read verses five through nine now. Are we there? Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath and behold, a young lion roared against who? Samson. And the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him and he rent him as he would have rent a kid and he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. Now, let me show you what happened. They're headed down because they're going to engage in what we call arranged marriages. Parenthetical, that's something you need to think about because these unarranged marriages going on today have been working out that well. So you see, we're more pagan than we are Christian today. Are we not? We're more pagan. I'm telling you, we're more pagan than we are Christian. And so as they're going down and I showed you the map, they're leaving from the area in which Samson is. And Samson is a Danite uh, Jew. He's a Danite Hebrew. They're headed down to Philistine country. And as they go, mom and daddy take one route and Samson takes another route. They're both going down to Timnath. But as Samson goes down, he runs across a vineyard. Now he's perusing through the vineyard because he's used to perusing through vineyards. Now we could read into that. I think I'll wait for that next time. But remember how he grew up? He couldn't come near grapes. Y'all remember that? He couldn't come near grapes. Now he's probably not drinking the grapes. And of course the grapes as grapes are not a problem now that he's an adult. Am I making some sense? But it is quite peculiar that he's uh, pro, he's, he's inclined to go near the vineyard, right? Now we understand in the Bible that the vineyards intrinsically and ontologically do not constitute any kind of sinful indicatives at all. It's not the vine. It's how you use the vine. Does that make sense? You better know that because I've taught you that. Our sin is about our lack of temperance, our lack of control, our lack of discipline and everything else. Back in Genesis, God made it all good. And then we messed it up. But we can infer 
from Samson moving toward the vine that he is now moving toward the blessing and the burden of the battle. So y'all take notes because it's coming. The blessing and the burden of the battle. Whenever a country has prospered and have become well, one of the indicatives of that, particularly in your agricultural lands, such as Israel and even California, we know that now, is many vineyards, many, many hillsides, rolling hills with vineyards of all kinds of natural, what we would call privileged foods. Is that not right? Your olive trees, your grapevines, your figs. And so forth. All of that is indicative of prosperity. And the Philistines were prospering. And Samuel was making his way through it. And as he was going through the vineyard, a blessing, guess what happened? He met a lion. Now, God is getting ready to teach Samson something and you and me too. And that is the lion rises up against Samson because the lion is an omen of the mission that Samson is called to in his battle against the Philistines. So here comes Samson wanting to go down to get his blessing. What is his blessing? His wife. And he's confronted by a lion. That's the nature of life. I'm sorry. Life is always filled with blessings and burdens. The rose has thorns on it. And now it's time for you and I to see God's will working out in that context. This is the first time that Samson discovers how much God is with him. Now notice what the text says. And as Samson came to the vineyard of Timnath and behold, a young lion roared against him. First thing that lion did was try to scare him to death. That's the power of the lion. That's the power of the roar of the lion. And Peter told us that we need to be vigilant and sober because our adversary, the devil, goes about as a what? Roaring lion. Stay with me. I got you for about 10, 15 more minutes. What is the tactic here? The tactic is to scare you. The tactic is to induce fear. The tactic is to paralyze you. And the roar today is propaganda. The roar today is ideology. The roar today is policy. The roar today is stated government controlling your lives to such a degree that if you don't cower, they're going to devour you. Am I making some sense? That's where we are today. We have been that way since the beginning of time. Governments always ultimately rise up to destroy your freedom, your autonomy, your right to exist. And what Samson is dealing with is what we might call a, uh, a preemptive strike on the part of the Philistines to detour his purpose from going down to the country that God must subdue. See, I want you to get this. Are y'all ready? Samson is simply going down to the people that are oppressing God's people. Remember, I showed you that. That's chapter 13, verse 1. You can pull it up. The people of God have abandoned God, and now they're being ruled over by force by the Philistines. Whenever we sin against God, then God is going to allow us to go into oppression. Somebody's going to have authority over us because we're not walking in the integrity and virtue of freedom. Haven't I taught you guys that? Freedom without virtue is a what? It's a curse. 
And you can blame anybody for it all you want, but a lot of it is our own undoing. Well, we have failed to understand the price of liberty, the price of freedom, the price of autonomy, the price of being able to prosper in the context of freedom. And then you lose what you have because you have not honored it at the level that you should. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Then you want to blame everybody else for your problem. No, it's our problem. And so God is raising this man who has been anointed particularly for one task. He's a heat-seeking missile, but the way God is shrouding his mission is in his desire for a woman, and that is the gospel too. Well, you have been listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. If you have questions or comments about the program, maybe you would like to learn more about us here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Reach out to us by simply calling 510-886-9782, or you can visit our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Sunday services here at the church are 1030 in the morning. Friday evening is our Friday evening Bible study at 630. And man, we've got friends of the ministry from all over the Bay Area who join us for this Friday night Bible study. It is an amazing time of God's Word and sweet fellowship in Christ. 6.30 in the evening, Tuesdays, our prayer time and a short Bible study as well. These meetings, again, the directions and information of which you can find at our website, grace-bible.com, or by calling 510-886-9782. This program continues to air here on this radio station and on the World Wide Web because you partner with us financially and prayerfully. Thank you for your support. No gift is too small. No gift is too large. And you can either give on a monthly basis or it's a one-time gift. It is all tax deductible. And again, the biggest part of your partnership with us is that we get to continue ministering the gospel of grace here in the Bay Area and all over the world. Consider that as you contact us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.